Hello everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. My guest today is Donna Eunice. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Nice to meet My you. friend, yoga teacher, um, just a beautiful soul that I have had the privilege to connect with in this lifetime. Probably another lifetime. Many more. Yeah. Many. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> so tell us, introduce yourself and just tell us your, your story. Which part? <laughs> you know, we already recorded this. I'll let everyone know. Okay. But of course, I messed up on the microphone, so we're doing it again. So the mm. story of, you know, fighting for your son, uh, creating a space where other women who had had the misfortune or the, uh, you know, the experience of not being able to be with their son because of cultural issues in their life mm -hmm. and not being able to have a voice and to mm. have the equal rights as a man, that is one of the, that I find one of the most fascinating things that you have been able to put together. Put together. So um, I was married at 18 mm. uh, because my, long story, <laughs> I was just married at 18 years old, which is very young. I was very rebellious. But it was an arranged marriage, correct? It was not, but it was. I was pushed to do it, so my, I had. I was given options like you either get married or you move in with someone who is very abusive. So these are like your options. What do you want? So my option was, I was like, okay, I'll get married. You know, at least I know him. Um, we were talking, so I told him pretty much, "Can you save me from this situation? I don't want to live with my uncle because he was a predator." Let's call him. Mm. And so I said, "Can you please?" Um, like, can we get married and run away? Like, I want to leave this space. I, w I was and living was in the United States? Jordan. Jordan. This was in Jordan. Okay. My mom uh, moved us to Jordan from San Diego when I was 15 when she divorced my dad in the middle of the school year. And so we were living there, and I'm 100% Arab. Uh, my, my parents, my dad is very liberal, but my mom is very very traditional even though um, some of the traditions uh, don't make any sense and maybe are completely against um, women and their liberation um, so yeah so I got married I got pregnant with my son while we were engaged actually before marriage and then I had the wood at 19 I was almost 19 I was like one month shy from 19 and my ex-husband was very abusive and I knew I didn't want to be with him. It took a while to go from loving someone to not loving them at that young age, especially when you're attached and scared because you just had a baby together. Yeah. And because your parents divorced and you promised yourself you'll never do that. So it took a long, like, it took a few years for me to realize that I don't want to be with an abusive person. Um, but it definitely, I knew that I didn't want to, like, there were so many reasons I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with him. But mainly, whoever hurts you, I think it's natural for you to stop loving them. If you don't, there's, I would say, seek counseling. Yeah. But for me, it was very, very clear that I needed to, um, to leave my ex-husband. And I did. Um, and then when I left him, we were in Chicago. We had moved to Chicago together. And a couple of years later, I took my son on vacation to meet his father's family in Jordan, where when we were leaving, he was at the time in first grade. 
when we were leaving, they said that I couldn't take my son out of the country because he had, the father had placed a ban on him from leaving. Now, mind you, he had sent me an email that says, you are coming for this vacation. I give you permission to leave at this date. So I had paperwork that showed that my ex-husband allows me to leave. And he's my ex-husband, but because he's the father of my child, he still has the right to change his mind and keep our son in Jordan if he chooses to. And that is currently oh, still wow. the law for men. So any man in Jordan can, uh, by the way, if you're married and you want to travel with your children in Jordan, you need permission from your husband. You need written permission, notified, notarized that you will leave the country. If you want to move your children from one school to another school, you need your your husband's husband, not even ex-husband. So like the man has full control over everything that the child does, every school they go to, even if you want to take your kid to a hospital. If you want to register them in a hospital, they need surgery. You can't uh, sign off on your own child's surgery. Only the father can. So the mother has no rights. You're just... You are just the caretaker, kind of like uh, the uterus and the, the milk, and that's it. Then you're, you just take care of the kids because your husband's busy working. But you have no authority, and you don't know what's best for your children because the culture looks at women like they don't have the logic to decide for their kids. They don't have the logic to decide as women for anything. And so I was stuck in a country. My son was stuck in the country, in Jordan, and I decided to stay with him. So we spent a few years there. I managed to find work. And uh, then when he turned nine, the law states that uh, the boys go to the fathers at the age of nine, especially that I was an improper mother because I was not veiled and I was drinking on Facebook and you know, doing all the things that are very bad. So, so you have you're supposed to be veiled in Jordan, but you don't have to. Like you don't get arrested. If you're you not. don't have to, but in court, they're all mm. men, and they'll yeah. all look at you and treat you, and the way they talk to you is like you are. It's yeah, just yeah. a very they they treat you in a way that is very. Like you are disgusting, mm-hmm. almost like mm-hmm. you are, um, a pr- like they treat you like a prostitute if you are revealing your skin, uh, if you speak without permission. Um, they see that like they have a they have a word, in or a description in Arabic, mara awiye, which means you are a strong woman, and that's not a compliment. When someone tells you inti mara awiye, like you are a strong woman, they mean that you are the most awful kind of woman. Like you are masculine, you are bad, you are like the lowest of all women is a strong woman. That's like a very, very common thing to say. Like, oh, you're so strong. Like it's it's seen as um, a very negative thing. Yeah, so. It is very, it's a, a yes. That amongst many others, but it's, um, it's, <clears throat> Yeah. Intense. No, it's like intense. It's like, I would call it suffocating. It is. It kills you. It's designed to murder your freedom and your soul as a woman. Like that is how um, apologies to the people of the culture 
I don't, um, I love my culture in many ways, but the reality is the laws in those countries are designed to murder women on the inside, to break you. So as a strong woman, I don't even know where this like strength and power came from, but very stubborn and very rebellious. I didn't want, I didn't like this feeling. I didn't want to be part of a culture that wanted to break me. I didn't want to be broken. My ex-husband tried to break me by beating me to, to obey him. Um, and that didn't work. My, before that, my uncle tried to do the same. My mom, like the whole culture is so terrified of a woman speaking up and speaking her mind that they, they, they're literally terrified and they have this negative. So if you bring shame to your family, if you are rebellious and, and a mother, a strong woman, you bring shame to the whole family. So they feel the responsibility to control you to like, um, shush your voice pretty much so anyways when my son turned nine his dad had every right to take him from me and i felt like i was going to lose my mind so i traveled and lived in other countries and set the intention and my determination was to get my son out of jordan um so i wore first i i lived in three different countries in the arab region just to stay close to him and be able to call him every day and to see him at least once every two weeks or once a month why, why couldn't you stay in Jordan? I don't want to stay in Jordan. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. The, like, I did not want to give my son to his father. I had to give my son to his mom because I was going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go into the house, our apartment. I had done everything for him. The apartment, like, I worked so hard to reach where I was, where I could provide for us in a country where women get paid $400 a month teaching and having good jobs like because you're not the you're not the you're not the care not the caregiver you're not the head of household as a female so they don't pay females um a lot of money because you're either cared for by your father your brother or your husband but you're never alone you're never independent so females get paid so much less than males in most uh well and definitely in jordan it changes when you leave jordan when you go to other countries like dubai and qatar and like uae it's very different but is that where you went i went to dubai i worked some some years in dubai and i i moved to qatar and started working there for as a copywriter so i started working as a writer and making a good amount of money and uh when i finally was able to hire a lawyer a dirty dirty lawyer (laughs) Who very, but very dirty. And I knew what I was doing. Like I reached a point where I was finally making more money than my ex, which meant, and that's the only way you can have more power, which is why they pay you less. And they do, you know, everything is like designed to make you uh, less powerful. So I had to leave Jordan, get that power in a different way and hire a lawyer that was able to just with one threat, just letting him know that we're taking him to court. He said, okay, I'm going to give you our son in the summer. And I was able to take my son out after an eight-year fight. So eight years between the time that we moved. I lived in Jordan for a few years with him, but when he turned nine, from the age of nine until 14 is the time that we were separate from one another. I took him out when he was 14 years old. And you stayed in contact with him this whole time? like Every day. Every day. 
Called him every day, visited him every week at first, but then when they closed the borders in Lebanon, um, the borders in Syria because of the war, I couldn't see him every week. So then it started being bi-weekly, and then slowly it had to be every month when I was farther even, in the Gulf region, in Dubai and Qatar. And you have a full-time job, it's very, it's, 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 it's harder, it's harder to see someone more than once a month or once every three weeks. Was he able to come to you, or you had to? No, I can't move him out of. I can't. I could not remove him out of Jordan. There was one summer right before, like as I was making more money, that he his dad allowed him to leave, but only with his Jordanian passport because that way he still has control and we're not allowed to leave the region. I had a plan to kidnap him. I had a, like a set plan that I could kidnap him, but decided not to because I didn't want to traumatize my son. I decided to fight legally yeah. and get him out legally instead of sneaking him through borders. I never told Dawood that his dad was abusive. I never told Dawood anything. I never told him we were stuck in Jordan. I told him we wanted to move there. Yeah. So Dawood never knew anything that I was going through. Only recently has he started to realize everything, like very recently. And only because he grew up enough to see his father and what his father is like. Otherwise, I, I wanted to protect my son from his father. And part of the protection is not to let my son know what I was going through or what I had to go through with his dad. I, he was, my son was my goal. It wasn't, my ex-husband's goal was to hurt me. My goal was to keep my son protected. So all my actions were not about me, although they hurt me. It suffocated me to hide from my son what I was going through, to have to cry in the bathroom, to wait for him to sleep, to cry, to like, I was going crazy inside. It, it, was, it was so traumatizing, all of it. But if I had cried and went hysterical in front of my son in the airport or um, when they took him from me, I knew that I would be hurting my child. So I had to like everything. Yeah. It was not fun. <laughs> it was not a good experience at all. It was it was a lot of pain. So how was it when you went to when you actually you got the lawyer and your husband says okay you can you can have him back? Mm. Was your son willing and ready to go back with you? Oh my God, we had been waiting. Okay, we had been like um, on the phone every day, dreaming of this moment mm. and. He was not happy with his father. Um, he, we were waiting for this. So I flew to Jordan from Qatar to pick him up from the airport because I didn't believe that he would give him to me. Okay. And so I, I found him in the airport and I flew him back to Qatar. So I just flew there and out, in and out with him. And when we flew home and he was like unpacking, I was in complete disbelief that my baby was there. He was just like... Um, he was acting like he had been around forever. Like he was so chilled out, like opening his suitcase, getting his things out, talking to me about random things. And I'm staring at him like, like, is this real? Is, is he here? Like, what do I do now? So all the, all those years, all I was like, everyone that met me, every man, woman, rock cloud, all I talked about was I need to get my son back. I need to get my son back. So my identity was, I need to get my son back. Literally, that's how people remember me as the woman, the mother who wants to get her son out of Jordan. And so when I got him out, I was like, okay, so I fulfilled this part. What do I do now? 
So I sat there, I stared at him, I didn't, I was not able to react. I was just overwhelmed with joy and the sense of responsibility that now he's with me and I need to do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next morning I woke up at five and I knew that I had to make sure that other mothers don't go through what I went through. And one part of it was through education, through educating moms like, hey, this was this is the law. Maybe you should know about it before you get married. Maybe you can sign put a different condition in your marriage certificate or whatnot because you can you're allowed to do that okay um marriage just to protect in case you can protect yourself if you write things down from the beginning except moms women don't know nobody tells you about this and when you go through something a story like this like me you don't talk about it because it's it's shame to talk it's completely shameful to talk about your struggles as a woman you're looked down upon if you, like right now <laughs> if there are any arabs watching they're like oh my god this is so embarrassing <laughs> how can she be talking about this you know in public mm-hmm. like it, they shame well, it's part of the oppression system yes like, exactly yeah if you do then you are just like they look at they it's like they have all these labels for women who speak up you're either strong and it's look frowned upon or you're like ghetto if you talk like, oh, how could you talk about these things? It's, it is, like you said, designed to keep your voice completely muffled. Like it's, um, it, it just instills fear and shame, so much shame and guilt in women. And so I decided to talk about my story, but not just my story, to invite other women, Arab and not Arab, that are married to Arab men or live in the Arab region and had to go through the struggles of the laws in those regions, in that region, sorry, in those countries. Mm -hmm. And I started, I just posted it on Facebook. I decided I'm creating a campaign on the lack of mother's rights in the region. And I suddenly get like a flood of women, Grace. It's like they were waiting for me. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I got all these women reaching out to me devastated. I had never seen so much pain. But the amount of pain that I saw was incredible. Like, I thought my story was bad. It was not that bad. I had actually... It was easy for me in comparison to women who never heard of their kids again. They just vanished. And the government is like, oh, you got to find them. Like, it's none of our business. Or the dad just takes, because you as a father, you don't need permission from your wife to take the kids out of the country. Only the mother needs permission from the man. So you know what they do? They just find another job in another country, take the kids and leave. Okay, bye. And they leave the mother, the woman married to them so they can control her. Because if you're married to a man, he can ban you from leaving the country. So he places a ban on you. No, exactly. Yes. Wow. And I feel like that is a whole level of abuse that nobody dis- like is not discussed enough. We we don't hear about it. We don't talk about it. Women are too ashamed, and most of the mothers were scared to talk because if they were to speak up, they're afraid that when if like that's going to be impossible now for them to get their kids back because now they're going to be shamed by the community. And if the government finds out that they spoke up against the government, the government will make sure that she never sees her kid again. So it's fear. It's so much fear. These women were terrified. The only ones that I was able to get to talk were the moms that had their kids dead because of the laws. Mm-hmm. Like the one, there was a mom that took her kid to the hospital. 
They said no. Unless the father comes signs the paper, we can't give your kid surgery. And the kid died in the hospital because she couldn't get a hold of her ex or her husband at the time. It wasn't even her ex. Um, so when you, those are the women still that are doing that right now. In this is now. This is this is right now. The only law now, if there's wow. a if there's an emergency, the hospital is allowed to perform surgery, but only under emergencies. And because of this one woman, her, whose son died. The yeah, the only this, only this little modification, only if it's an emergency, and only this and that. Like they like shrunk it to one thing, but you still uh, can be banned from leaving. You still can't move your kids to a new school. You still you can't do anything. You have you are you are nothing. You have no power. It's like the whole system just reminds you of how powerless you are. And it's right. um it's it's painful. It tra it's trauma. So you began this um this program where you interviewed these women, right? Through mm -hmm. a radio show that was over there. Tell us about that. Well, what I did was, at first, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do, so I posted it, and a lot of women approached me. And one of the women that approached me said, can you please come to my office? And I was like, Ugh, this is so annoying. <laughs> like, you can't meet me, really? You want me to come to your work during the day on my lunch break just so? She's like, yeah, could you please? And I was like, sure, you know, maybe she has a good story. She's one of those moms that really needs to talk. And then her secretary calls me and says, can I get your passport, please? I need a copy of your passport to allow you in. And I was like, who are these people? So I sent a copy of my passport, and then I get this um, permit to go into one of the biggest news agencies in the world. So it was it's the second largest news agency worldwide. And I went in, and she's the managing director of the social media side of that agency. What's the agency called? Al Jazeera. Mm -hmm. The, the one that I work, like the social media side that she's the managing director of is AJ Plus. That's what it's called on social media. And they're huge. And they talk about everything. And so I walk in and I speak to her and I'm kind of interviewing her, like seeing what she's about, what she wants to talk about, what her story is. And she looks at me after talking to me, asking me about the campaign. Why am I doing this? What's the motive behind it? What's my story? She sits, she looks at me and she's like, well, to be honest with you, I am divorced, but I didn't have to go through the struggles because I'm always making more money than the men around me because she's in a high position. But I want to hire you because I need people like you on my team. And I want to turn your idea into a show, into a series on AJ+. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the moment where you're like, yes, <laughs> this is amazing. And so, and I believe that whenever you follow your heart and you do crazy things like to make these decisions because you're you're something inside you is pulling you to do it everything aligns to make you hurt everything aligns in your favor and so there were a lot of hurdles a lot of struggles but I started interviewing women in different parts of the Arab region and talking to them about their struggles and trying to collect these stories and uh, to talk about them like to compare stories also in the same country. The woman that speaks up and the woman that's silent get treated differently by the government. Mm -hmm. The woman that's Muslim, the woman's a Christian, the woman's a Shia, the woman's that's Sunni, like depending on what sect of religion you are, you're also treated different. Um, 
people think that it's, oh, because they're Muslim countries. No, actually, the Catholic Church. So in the Arab region, in the Arab region, yeah, I know it's funny, right? It's like, yeah, of course. In the Arab region, you are you go to the courthouse of your religion. Not yours, sorry, your husband's religion. Mm. So if you're a Catholic and he's a, a Baptist, you will have to go to the Baptist church to get a divorce and do the family affairs, whatever, um, to, to get the custody and, and solve all that. Or while he stays in his sect, the laws in every single courthouse is completely different, although they're in one country. So there is so, no separation of church and state? No. Okay. No, there is not. And there's definitely no separation. And so the Catholic Church takes all children, boys and girls, away from the mom at the age of two in case of divorce. The Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. Of course. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but but I thought it was, a, it was a religion thing. I was resentful towards um, religion because of this. I realized it has nothing to do with religion. It is just a, a matter of control, controlling the women in the culture. Uh, all, the, all, all of them were kind of agreeing on this one thing to keep the control in the men, to keep the power for, for males. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a religious thing. Because Sunnah, at least you, I kept my son until nine, not two. If I was Catholic, they would have taken my son away from me immediately when I landed in Jordan. Mm-hmm. So no matter where your background, what your religion, you are not treated fairly. Yeah. And the child, even if the father is like, you can keep the kid. I don't want the kids. Child custody is like $100 a month. Two, two uh, sorry, um, what do you call it? Um, the payment that they pay every month. What do you call child that? Support? It's child support. Oh. Child support is about $200 a month for mothers. So... You can't really do anything with the money that they... Sometimes it's 100 sometimes it's $50, $40. It just depends on the guy and how, you know... Um, Does this vary within class systems? Like, if you're super, super rich, do you, like, avoid this? And if you're, like, less... Again, um, going back to the point, remember how I got my son out? I had to make more money than my ex-husband. Okay. So if you are able to come to make more money, if you come from a family that will support you in building your career and yourself, then things will look different yeah. for you. But you're talking about 10, 15% of the community. Right. So it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. you're doing the show and is it getting momentum with AJ Plus? Yeah, kind of. Getting Very slow. Ve- lots of trouble. Where we were detained. I was detained yeah. for an interview that I had with someone in Lebanon, where there's a lot of corruption. Um, and then I just, yeah, I just decided I needed a break after that. Came to visit my dad. Found that my dad wasn't feeling well and stayed with him. Came to he, visit him in the United States. Yeah, here in San Diego, and. Um, once I, like, yeah, I stayed here, took care of him. Three months later, he passed away. And I decided to stay here in the United States. But I feel like I know that my journey is not just, I can speak up here in America about the lack of mother's rights in Jordan way louder without getting in trouble right. than I can there. This is a very clear realization that I arrived to. Mm-hmm. But because my father passed away, and my intention was to continue to speak about things, I found 
a Saudi woman who escaped her family who's living here. I started meeting women who are like escaping and will never talk to me because they're so afraid of the government. The government still sends them threats, although they're here as refugees. I found that this fear travels with women even when they escape yeah. and they don't want to talk about it because they're so scared. Maybe I'll get in trouble because I said this. Who knows? Well, I'm always getting in trouble with this podcast anyway. So Yay, we get in trouble together. <laughs> but yeah, so that's... that's um, that's what that's what happens if you open, you know, if you if you talk about if you go against the current you'll get in system, trouble. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be trouble. Yeah. But if you're not getting into trouble, then you're not doing something right. That's yeah, probably most probably. I used to say that a lot. There are ways I feel like we can maneuver, but when it comes to these big issues, you just have to say it like it is. So now at least I educated everyone on this podcast about the laws there. But that's not where it ends. Like my plan was to start in the Arab region. Then as I was studying as a news producer working on the team, I started realizing that this is something that I found similar stories in Colombia. I found similar stories in Mexico. I found similar, like I started realizing that this is a whole, this is a system of oppression against women. And I believe wholeheartedly that until women reach their full power, we will be a broken society forever. So this is, the, everyone says it's the rise of the feminine and they shame the masculine. That's, I don't, I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance is necessary between the two. Right. Uh, the masculine is beautiful. The feminine is beautiful. But the feminine is so oppressed that we feel overwhelmed by this masculinity. All we need to create is a balance. Meaning women have to just give them, allow them the space to be the power that they are. We don't want anyone to give us power. Just allow us, like, law-wise, it should be equal and fair. Pay-wise, still in America, it is not equal. It is not fair. You will find even, like, let's count how many female CEOs there are in the United States. You will find that there are always ways of oppression. And there's always, like, a choice or a sacrifice that the woman needs to make in order to live in success and in her power. And until we rise to our power and live this full potential that we have, we won't have a powerful society because we are, if we choose to be mothers, we are raising the, 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 the yes, the kids yeah. that are growing up. There's a lot so, of things too that need to be shed from besides generations. Like, oh, allowing, I'm going to allow, I'm going to give you guys equal pay, I'm going to allow you guys equal rights. Yes, so like the anger, the grief, the trauma, the generations, that fear you're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, that's it needs to I be healed. It needs, it needs to be, yeah, it needs to be alchemized, healed, transformed. It needs to be acknowledged to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. This is, I feel like right now when you're talking about that, I feel like I remember the Black Lives Matter. And it's like, I feel like this oppression comes not just for women, but since this podcast is specifically about mothers and women, we're going to keep the focus there. But I see this form of oppression and pain and need for healing in multiple different, uh, like, uh, yeah, parts of our society. And women definitely need that healing. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of shit about well, they're so angry, and the and you said this, and you said that. I'm like, anger is a very intelligent emotion. <laughs> it's a messenger. 
It is. All yeah. your emotions are messengers. And it's like, we, of course, I'm not going to be breaking, you know, walls and this and that. It's there's So finding the ways of, like, getting rid of this, which is, I think, why we're both, you know, teaching yoga and meditation mm. and having these experiences of plant medicine and therapy and just finding ways to alchemize that long, long transform transform the pain into power yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. finding your power through the pain but not everyone can do that's one of the sentences my managing director said to me dima she said i want i said i looked at her when she said i want to hire you as news producer i said i've never i did some like journalism but i've never worked as a news producer she said oh it's okay you'll be great i said why do you want to hire me Like, this is a very hard agency to be part of. And I had no credentials to be part of. Like, I felt, I don't, I didn't understand why she wanted to hire me. And her response was, because you know how to turn your pain into power. Mm -hmm. And that means you can do anything. I was like, dang, Dima. Yes. Yes. So it was, um. I know that we can teach our daughters to turn pain into power and teach mm-hmm. the generations, but also giving space for healing is, is important. Yeah. This so is... now you have your own studio where you do, do. healing, uh, sound healing and yin yoga and hatha yoga and all these yoga. Yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> so my own, the only thing that kept me sane throughout all of this besides plant medicines and I knew that I was carrying so much pain inside my body that I needed to I needed to heal myself, especially before getting my son back. When right. I knew, when I knew that I was getting him back, I think it was sometime in November of that year. So I had about six months before I would get him, actually bring him to me. And immediately I was, I was determined to find all the healings possible. So that spring, I did a spring cleaning, I said to my soul. So I did Vipassana, I did Iboga, I did Vipassana is a 10 day silent medi- Buddhist silent meditation. I, kn- I knew, bottom line, I knew I was carrying all the trauma from yeah. the fight because it's not fun to, to fight continuously. Oh, yeah. It's exhausting. It's and I didn't want to lose my, my, my the power of my feminine like my, i didn't want to be out of balance because then how can i be a good like a balanced mother for my child i don't want him to come back to a traumatized woman yeah. so i knew that i needed to find healing so i traveled the world like i went to different parts of the world to india to england to random places to find plant medicine to find different uh forms of healing meditations and just went deeper and deeper in meditation. And since 2013, which was the beginning of the journey of trauma, I found yoga, which I knew that I needed to move my body in a mindful way, in an intentional way, because I was already working out and running, but it w- it didn't have the intention. Like yoga, you move every inch of your body, even the way you twist, you are very present. You're very aware of your your physical self, and then you get deeper and deeper the more you practice yoga. Mm-hmm. So yoga saved saved me. Yoga mm-hmm. saved me. Definitely kept me in my healing process. That movement, that mindfulness. When my dad passed away, I decided to sign up for my 200 hour teacher training and started three weeks after he passed. 
I got my 200 hours. And I started teaching a few months after that. And um, I found that so many people in my community needed healing, but had never heard of anything. Like they thought yoga was stretching. And so they came, yeah, they came to the class and I had them meditate. And they're like, what is this? And they're crying and they feel things and they don't understand why they're crying. And I tell them it's good. It's a release, you know, laughing, crying, just let it out. And so I kept working for this place that was paying me peanuts to continue to work as a yoga instructor. And it wasn't working for me. So I asked for a little more. I was rejected. Like this idea was rejected. And I found, okay, clearly I need to empower yoga teachers. We're hearing about so many issues with different, studios you know, yes. Studios closing down, teachers leaving studios for not being treated fairly. Mm. Getting my 300 hours made me see how much effort we all put in just to... It's a lot of work to teach a class. A lot of work to teach, prepare, find your music, even learning yoga. Like we get deeper and deeper and deeper in the learning. And I looked at, like, I looked at all the teachers, my one, you were one of them. And I thought I need to provide a space for them to make more money than the studio does in a class. So I started Yoga Church San Diego where teachers come in and teach the class and I take 30% and they take home 70%. So as many students as you want to bring, as much as you'd like to charge them, that's up to you because it's you who made the effort. It's you who chose to teach yoga. You're just using my space. The 30% is for me to rent the space, (laughs) to keep it clean, to clean after you and to to drive it. Thank you. Thank you. I have a lot of plants and I sage it every day and Paolo Santo and I clean it thoroughly. Like I put a lot of love in that space. I love that space. And there's so much light, Mm -hmm. so many windows. And so, yeah, that's my journey is to continue to empower women and men now because yoga teachers can be also, you know, male yoga teachers. But the idea behind Yoga Church is to also, I invite and I want teachers to approach me that understand that the yoga is not just moving our body and stretching. It's about getting deep, like connecting to yourself, to source, to God. You can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, it's, it's been given to us thousands of years ago as a way to heal and connect with ourselves. So it is not just stretching. I mean, if you want to come stretch, if that's what you want to call it, and you leave crying, I'm <laughs> a happy. A lot of people start with that. But yeah, I'm like, fine with that. But um, I teach, yeah, I teach Hatha yoga, I teach Vinyasa, I teach Yin, I teach outdoor, I teach indoor. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to provide the healing that I can for my community. So because all of this pain and trauma and this journey, if it taught me anything it taught me how to heal myself it pushed me to want to heal myself and because i got the tools i felt like when i got my son back the first thing i did was i wanted to make sure that other women didn't go through it mm. as soon as i got the tools and realized how many tools i have for healing my first intention was i need to share this with other people and that's why i started teaching yoga I mean, I'm going to school full-time. I plan to be a professor at a university, Mm -hmm. but I will never stop teaching yoga 
because our community needs healing. Yeah. It needs healing. And I keep my yoga super cheap, and I want to keep it that way because I want it to be for everyone, not just for a select elite group of people. Yes. I also um, am in the process of getting hired to teach it in schools in the San Diego School District. Um, Wonderful. Like, yeah, hopefully I start in, in March to do this, and I want to spread it to all other schools. As long as I get hired in one school in the district, it will be easier yeah. for me to slowly yeah. expand into other areas. I just want to spread healing as far and wide as I can. I think that's a beautiful. I mean, all schools should be teaching yoga, emotional regulation, mindfulness, meditation. Emotional intelligence, way yeah. Way before... Math. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I agree. Or uh, like a foreign language is great, but how about... But emotional intelligence, your your needs as a human spirit. Um, because if we don't do that, then what's the point? Absolutely, and I don't think. Um, I think maybe recently people started realizing this, but um, we can we can make it happen. It's our generation that's going to say we need um, our different. children to know how to express their feelings and to know that all feelings are okay and to know that all emotions are just indicators to what you need to do yeah. they're little nudgers to push you in a certain direction they're not bad they're not good to all these things that you and to have a place where you feel is safe to feel them because a lot of childhood trauma comes from i can't it's not safe if i feel this they're gonna laugh at me they won't love me they won't get fed like the whole so to create that space of safety that you're doing mm. at your studio, at these schools. Um, it's very important. Thank you. Thank you. No, really, thank you. The intelligence that I see, even in seeking, you know, getting out of the situation, whether it was getting married to your ex-husband, but now going in here, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lose my shit in front of my child because I'm going to honor his emotional space before mine mm. and I'm going to find these lawyers and I'm going to work out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to yoga and I'm going to go to plant medicine like that seeking of emotional wellness oh, you're going to make me cry it's, true. it's such a beautiful example like, and, and it's at everybody's fingertips we can all do it but some of us are like meh I'm just going to keep on drinking the juice here you know and it's like no come on let's be like Donna get out there you know and, and fight yeah, turn that pain into power you can yes mm -hmm. anyone can do that yeah but i i i would have loved to see and i did receive support from people like dima but i would have loved to see more support from women yeah. because i feel like in that process i feel like i was alone a mm -hmm. lot of the times and so this is my journey my journey is to be there for other women mm -hmm. my journey part of my journey is to give a space for yoga teachers is to give a space for the students to come and let their emotions out is to s share all the knowledge that i that i have inside me you know whether i gained it from other cultures traveling or just personal reflection yeah. i just feel like it's a very big responsibility for me to um to share mm -hmm. And that's why I was given this voice, mm -hmm. is to continue yeah. to share. So, right on. yeah, I hope that you will start coming to teach at least once yes. a week in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, yes. this is how I manifest things. <laughs> this is how I manifest. I just yeah. say something out loud and then it happens. So we can find Donna at Yoga Church SD. Mm -hmm. That's in Instagram. Yes. Uh, and I'll put all these handles on 
the podcast link here. But the yoga studio is in North Park. There's classes Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays by Donna. I teach, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Oh, yeah, Saturday's over at the beach in Mission mm-hmm. Bay. Beautiful class outdoors. Amazing. Yes, we're in San Diego, so we get that privilege. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess I'm going to be teaching at your studio now. She's going to be teaching at, if you want to find Grace, maybe on different studio. days, but she, yeah, <laughs> yeah, come to yoga church. I mean, you're a healer, and that's what I want. I want the space to be filled with healers. Mm -hmm. Like, I want Yoga Church to be a place of healing for everyone. Healing yourself as a teacher after, you know, not getting what your worth is to finally receive that. Mm -hmm. Healing the students by, you know, you providing all the tools that you want to provide as a teacher. So it's healing on both ends. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Thank Grace. You. Thank you for joining I hope us. the recording is good this time. I hope so. I think so. I think so. I think so. Right now. Thanks, everyone, for listening in Details of Recovery. Please make sure to like, rate, share, and send me any messages that you can. Thank you Bye. so much. Bye.